I actually have um, an appropriate cold open. Oh, yeah? Not that our cold opens are inappropriate. Well, they are, I guess, sometimes. Um, but it's on brand for like, the news and the crazy week that's bit, that we've been having. Mm-hmm. So, on sa- what day is that? Today's Monday. On Saturday, two days ago, the day of the general election. In Ireland? In Ireland, yes. Where uh, our accents come from. Where That's where they were born. Um, I was out for a walk in London, where I'm living. Uh, you're not going to believe me now when I say this, but I was out for a walk, getting coffee, and on my way back, I stopped at a junction because an, uh, what I think is like a Nissan Micra or equivalent small shitty town car pulled up right in front of me and started to do the most sloppy haphazard three-point turn at a busy junction I've ever seen. And I could swear on Teddy Roosevelt's grave, Stephen, that it was Jerry Adams driving it. <laughs> and I'm like, I, like not even like a, jo- like a joke that is a Jerry Adams, like it just looked like the version of Jerry Adams I have in my head. And the what makes it better is the back of the Nissan Micra, the the the, the windows in the back had cardboard all over them as if it had been recently broken. And the, the car was just an absolute shambles, which kind of added to, kind of added to, <laughs> to my suspicion. That so was this, was this on Saturday? But this is on Saturday, Saturday the day of the yeah. general election. And like, I would think he'd want to be around where all the buzz is, right? Where all the election buzz is. Yeah, well, you see, I think he may have been selling his shitty granny car that you've seen him in because by the time we got to Sunday, he probably would have gone and bought an Audi A7. Well, that's the kind, that's the kind of day he had. He had a good day. Kind I'm going to pause weekend, and let the dog in because he won't stop fucking barking. He's a big rat head, you see. Once you said Jerry Adams, he's happy. <laughs> You know, I was just thinking as well there, this weekend was a full moon, and as we all know, that's when Jerry Adams comes out in full force, <laughs> It's during the full moon. I'm just glad he didn't bite me, because then I would be Jerry Adams. <laughs> there can only be one. Yeah, so we got a lot to get through this episode. Uh, we, we've got a, an interview with the wonderful Sinead Cadow, a costume designer on a bunch of stuff like Little Women, Beauty and the Beast, and Wonder Woman 1984, to name a few. Uh, she's going to talk to us all about sustainable fashion. Uh, but before that, uh, speaking of Sinn Féin and Jerry Adams, Steve, what the fuck's going on at home? Uh, a change election, the one that we've been waiting for since 2011 when the country fell apart. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't really a change election. That was just, we did the thing that we normally do where we switch between Fine Gael and between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Fianna Fáil do something wrong and people are like, oh, okay, we'll give Fine Gael a go. But then we had like, we had another little election in 2016 where they were like, we didn't really like what Fine Gael were doing, but we're still not happy with Fianna Fáil. Yeah. So then they let Fine Gael stay with a few less seats, actually quite a few less seats. But then something mad happened in the middle where people decided that they really don't like Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael and they're going to give someone else a try. Sinn Féin. Which was, which was a surprise for yeah. a lot of people, including you. Including me, who got caught. Because you're on, you're on, you're like, most people say this stuff and it happens in the pub and you forget about it. But you, you're recorded in the uh, archives of time uh, what on politics the, Ireland's greatest time capsule that will be remembered forever for generations for eons I think I explicitly say yeah. four times it's not gonna happen 
Yeah. It's not going to But that happen. was it. It's like when you say Beetlejuice over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you summoned it into existence. Yeah. This crazy result. So what happened? So everyone was, uh, people were expecting a general to just like maybe flip back to Fianna Fáil or a Fianna Gael government stays in power. But that's not what happened. Sinn Féin surged ahead in the polls. They did. Um, they they. When the election was called, they weren't doing that great and they didn't do that great in the last election, which was the locals and Europeans back in May. So people were mm-hmm. like, OK, Sinn Féin might do like a little bit better, but what's going to happen What is that they won't do as well in the final polls because people assume that people are still a little bit, the experts like me, Air assume quotes. that um, people are a little bit too afraid of voting for Jerry Adams in his shitty little micro, so... They're not going to do it this time, but people forgot about that. And when they went to the vote, they voted to change the healthcare system, the housing system, all the things that are fucked up in this country. They're like, we don't trust Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil to fix it anymore. We're going to, we're not going to do the normal thing and just flip back to Fianna Fáil in waiting. So do you think this falls into the same kind of category of protest vote that we've seen elsewhere in recent elections across the world where people are sick of the establishment, sick of what's of the status quo and they want to upturn it? And for the people of Ireland, that came in the form of voting Sinn Féin? To a certain extent, yes. But by saying that, you're kind of putting Sinn Féin in the same grouping of some people that they mess- they don't necessarily do it. Because Sinn Féin Yeah, are, I'm not saying that they're the equivalent yeah. of like your Donald Trumps or whatever, yes. but in terms of like upsetting what's currently there and yep. wanting change, whatever form that change is, that's based on, on your how you interpret it. But they are a change party, I guess. Yeah, and that's what happened and that's what people voted for. And the problem with the Irish election system is that we are recording on Monday at... Uh, 7.30pm and we still don't have a result. In fact, there are still, I can't get a total tally, something like 40 seats still left to be filled. Um, yeah. It's Shin- not like in the UK when we found out like, like half an two hour. and a half seconds after the polls closed. Well, they ha- we had the exit poll and the exit poll was shocking. It came out at 10 o'clock at the end of polls the same way it does in the UK and it showed a dead heat between all the different parties. It turns out that Sinn Féin are doing a lot better than that. They've got about 25% of the first preferences. But because Sinn Féin didn't expect to do well, they didn't run enough candidates mm. to actually get all the votes that they that they could have gotten, to, to get all the candidates they could have gotten. So you had the likes of um, Denise Mitchell in my constituency who got something like 25,000 first preferences when she only needed 12,000 to get elected. So right. she could have very easily have gotten a second Sinn Féin over the line. Yeah. Same thing with Mary Lou, same thing with Desi Ellis, same thing with loads of different people. And that's because Sinn Féin were thinking, well, we just need to make sure we get good people in, a few more good people. They had no idea this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And frankly, they they might have ended up putting forward a lot of people that weren't good and then spent the entire campaign explaining why their people were saying ridiculous things like right. what happened at the start of the game where we had a Sinn Féin councillor call Leo not of this nation and also said something terrible about women only accusing MMA fighters of rape to make money. Wow. Yeah. It's quite quite the shopping list of things to say. Since then, Sinn Féin have gotten in trouble for singing Come Out You Black and Tans at the election centre and then just released a newly elected Waterford TD um, saying up the ra, (laughs) Chuck Hirala, our day will come. Yeah. So you're hitting on it a little bit here um, and we were talking about this Sinn Féin result as being quite um, a surprise. Can you... Just explain for listeners maybe who didn't hear our last episode where we broke down the parties, like what is Sinn Féin as a party like in terms of its identity and political leanings and why is it so surprising that they've gotten in? Sinn Féin are essentially the last, the the, the closest political wing to what was the provisional IRA um, terrorist organisation that fought the troubles up in Northern Ireland. The same organisation that planted bombs in the UK and was involved in much chaos and destruction 
in the name of fighting for a unified Ireland and defending Catholic rights within the North. That all was... I'm just like, Hercules is chewing something behind me. I hope it's good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That... That all changed when the Good Friday Agreement happened. Um, Jerry Adams drove. It's probably the same micro you've seen him in. Um, he drove that probably, up. Yeah. Drove it up to Starmont. Did a deal with the British and Irish governments. It's like the Tardis and Doctor <laughs> Who. It's just like just linked to him. It's soul bound to him at this point. Oh no! Does that mean that Jerry Adams is suddenly going to reappear as like a new personality, a new a new character? <laughs> he just regenerates. Oh my god! I grow a new liver. <laughs> He's just Jody Whittaker now. <laughs> Chucky <it> all law. <laughs> oh god. Um, they did a deal back in the 90s. Um, they managed to get into government in the north, but down in the south, they were still always a little bit uh, not doing as well in the polls as the other main parties. So they slowly climbed their way up. They targeted um, working class areas and rural areas where people would be a little bit isolated and wouldn't feel that well served by Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. And mm-hmm. it turns out that, that 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 strategy of basically kind of ignoring the north to a certain extent and not talking about the national question as much and just concentrating on housing and health um, and making people's lives generally better is what got them to vote. Which were key key issues that we identified in the last episode. Yeah. Those were going to be the big, big talking points. Yeah. The British, to work for them. some British commentary and other international ones are commenting about how Ireland has suddenly become massively nationalist um, country and we're all about reclaiming the north and taking a bit of Scotland as well for the laws. But <laughs> no, this was not about no, that. Not about no. that at all. Yeah, like you say, it's if we just look at the issues, housing, healthcare being the big ones, um, and then stuff like that you would expect for a very kind of nationalistic take, stuff like immigration was like bottom of the list of what um, voters said they were interested in. That was, that was, that, which, yeah, which go, there were racists. Which goes against that kind of ethos. There were racists running and they did terribly. It was great to see. Look, there's always, it's 2019, there's always racists running. <laughs> They're going out for a, a park run near you just right now. Yeah. Like, I could I could open my window. And one will jump in. Throw my can of Sainsbury's G&T and I'll hit a racist out for a run. <laughs> yeah. Or Jerry, Jerry Adams in a micro if it's the full moon. He'll be glad of it. Um, interestingly, mm-hmm. the other parties of change didn't do so well. Labour Party is still very hurt by being in government. They may end up losing seats. The, the kind of very left wing parties, they did relatively well, but still no no great surge. They they managed to get quite a few seats on the back of these surplus um, votes from Sinn Féin. Mm. If you don't understand what I'm talking about in terms of surplus votes and quotas and multi-seat constituencies... Um, I can't help you. It's the Irish election system. It's really long and complicated. We, talk, we talked we about it in our yeah. voting episode PRS-TV. way back when. Um, yeah. the, so- the Social Democrats, um, they did relatively well. They might end up with about six or seven, which is up from two, which is good. And mm-hmm. the Greens should end up with about 11, which is a big boost from the three yep. that they had going out. But still, um, probably the most important thing to talk about is who's going to be in the next government. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a couple options right now, but no one seems to know for sure. Because going into this, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael both said they weren't going to go into a coalition with Sinn Féin. Fianna Fáil have already kind of stepped back from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but today... Do you know what it's like? It's like, it's like Sinn Féin is the, is the um, girl who had her hair up and was wearing glasses and was carrying books. And now all of a sudden <laughs> she's whipped off her glasses. She's pulled, loosened her ponytail and flicked her hair around. And Fianna Fáil's like, oh, hello. Yeah, to revert back to the old uh, high school um, yeah, tropes. That's, that's what happened, yeah. But she still has a little tricolour tattoo on her shoulder. <laughs> she does. <laughs> She's still setting some bins on fire. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, that, uh, but even if Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin were to go in together, I don't think they're going to get 80 seats, which is what you want to make a government. 
Um, so they have to get go with like a couple of independents or, or greens or, or social democrats or labor. I don't know. It's all up in the air, Steve. I'm not going to catch it. I'm just going to duck. No, you can't say anything now because you've already been burned before. You already look like a big tool and an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I've already lost all my faith in you. Yeah, I know. Okay, well then who do you think is going to be in government? Oh, you know. Insert answer here. <laughs> I'll get that later on the edit. <laughs> the power of the editor. <laughs> so we're not talking about the Irish general election for the rest of this episode. No, we might check back in in a later episode, depending on how things unfold. Because, like you say, it's 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 up in the air right now, and anything we say after this point is going to be pure conjecture, and we'll only end up embarrassing ourselves. So we're going to talk about something else before we do, Steve. I've got another story for you. Go on. I like these so, stories. Don't talk about it like it's a chore. Oh no, it's great. So I was uh, in the self checkout line the other day in um, Aldi, and I got talking to Stella McCartney. Uh, famous UK fashion designer and daughter of Paul McCartney. She was ahead of me in the line. Fuck off. Yeah. What was she buying? Uh, she uh, she was buying some, uh, just some cheap German beer and some <laughs> some off-brand Some rollies. <laughs> so, yeah, some rollies, some off-brand toilet bleach and some, uh, and some just some like, like a bunch of wilted parsley, just some sad, sad parsley. <laughs> but I got chatting to her anyway and she was, she was You better actually put a little asterisk there and say, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you t- hold on. <laughs> you haven't heard the end of my story. Okay. Anyway, I was talking to her. She had her wilted parsley in her hand. And she was started complimenting my style, which I was very chuffed with because she's a big f- fancy fashion designer. She was saying, I've got like fresh threads. I've got a really dope aesthetic. Um, sounds, very fly. Sounds like what a very rich English lady would say to you. Yeah, All the, all the usual things. Uh, but she would compliment me on all these things. But she said I could be a bit more sustainable in my fashion choices. Did she? Yeah, she said that. And she's saying uh, the fashion industry is one of the largest polluters in the world. They should know better. They've got a big old carbon footprint. It's bigger than like aviation and shipping industries combined. Uh, and not to mention all the issues around child labor and substandard working conditions and microplastics and landfill overflow and water waste and all that stuff. Well, I hope I, you just stripped naked in front of her and begged her for her apology. I, did, I, I covered myself with the wilted parsley like a very sad Adam from Adam and Eve. But before I, I tried to quiz her then for answers on it, but, but she ran off, said she had to go catch Hollyoaks on telly. So I didn't get any answers, Steve. Well, that's okay, though. Mm, because I reached out to, turns out, you know, I'm from Kildare. I always thought that you were from Wales. I have that look about me. A Welshman. And I don't, I don't know what that look is. He looks like a Welshman. People. But I'm from Kildare. And it turns out there's a, fe- my fellow Kildare. Kildarian? <laughs> no, I can't say that. That's got both Kill and Aryan in it. <laughs> I can't believe this has never come up. No one's ever <laughs> asked what do we call a plural of Kildare people. My fellow Kildare's person, uh, Sinead Kadau, uh, she is a costume designer and she's written a book called The Costume Directory, which is a sustainable guide for sourcing uh, costumes and clothes. Uh, she's worked on things like Wonder Woman, 1984. Uh, sorry, I said that weird. She <laughs> did. Oh, the bad Wonder Woman, the TV, the made-for-TV one. I Because I wrote it down, Wonder Woman, and then like 1984, as if they're two separate productions. But no, it's the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984. She also worked on uh, Beauty and the Beast. She's worked on This Way Up. And These are big movies. The big, mo- big fucking titles, most notably, and most recently, uh, Fashion Designer on Little Women, which has won a BAFTA and just last night, a motherfucking Oscar. That's right. It ain't. It just because it's called Little Women doesn't mean it's having a little impact. No, big. How many fucking BAFTAs and Oscars do we have, Steve? Five. Just the five. Yeah. <laughs> just a modest five. 
But anyway, I reached out to her and she obliged with an interview. Lovely lady. A wonderful lady, brilliant interview. And uh, because, uh, so we talked about sustainable fashion and her being a fashion designer for like period pieces. If you were to draw a Venn diagram of sustainable fashion and period dramas, right in the middle of that Venn diagram is uh, Lex Croucher. She's just crammed into that tiny little oval. So I asked her if she wanted to come and hang out because she's actually going to be in an upcoming episode. Of what I'm so politics. Get, of what I'm politics, of Little Women. Yes. Not of Little Women. <laughs> not of the serialized TV show Little Women or the 1984 TV show Wonder Woman. <laughs> but like, so Lex came along to hang out. So if you hear another voice in the episode, that's who it is. And uh, she's going to be talking to us about veganism pretty soon. Yes. And just briefly to so, say, I was not there because I wasn't in Ingerland. In, in that's what in, we call in it. England, the land of Ings. So, yeah. yeah. I, you were battening down the hatches for one of the craziest general elections this country's ever had. Look at what a good job I did. Anyway, this interview is much better than that 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 hot take. <laughs> anyway, so let let's 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 listen. Is it so do you go by Sinead or Sullivan Kadeo? Is it Kadeo? It's Kadeo. Kadeo. Okay, it's cool. like Kapow. Kapow. Oh, it's or like Kadeo. Batman. If yeah. Batman were to punch it, it's like Kadeo. I've only just recently discovered that I've basically gone from having one complicated name to having two complicated names. What, what, well, what? as in like Sinead is bad enough. Right. And now I've just added Kadeo onto the end of it. So no one can Very pronounce either. Very search engine friendly though. There's Very. All, yeah. Because there's already like 37 Sinead O'Sullivan's in yeah. London alone. I know. And there's no Sinead Kadeos. I know two Sinead or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're proof. Because when I say it to people, they're always like, uh, oh, you know, you've changed your name. It's anti-feminist. I'm like, do you want to, do you want me to name how many? This is, this is a practical issue. Yeah, this is like. I am a practical person. I want to be Googleable, okay? There's an already a Sinead O'Sullivan who's an astronaut. <gasps> oh, and she's wow. about my age and sort of looks like me. Do you know her? I, no, I don't know her personally. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know many astronauts. Um, but I did when I was looking you up I was looking for your, your IMDB yeah in my research because I'm a professional oh wow well but done I, I was looking wow you're really accomplished you've been to space wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other side of it I mean maybe people will just believe it's me but yeah. she's she's like a better version she um she has like developed something where she can get aid out to people like using drones I know I have a drone what a gal so if you want to like <laughs> if you want to even the playing field I have one drone and it's a range is about four kilometers. So yeah. four kilometers from here, if you want to send if something. If someone needs a Kit Kat <laughs> or something, yes, exactly. that's the kind of thing you can send. Yeah. But no, no astronauts. I thought we could start because we're in the middle of the podcast. This has all been in the podcast. I like to just surprise people in the podcast. Oh, really? So we're yeah. recording? Yeah, sometimes oh, I'll just great. be talking to someone in a pub and then a microphone will come out from the table. <laughs> and it's, we're in the middle of a podcast and so people don't even realize wow. it. Okay, but I thought great. we could start off with a really big kind of heavy question. Halloween for you, is that... I was going to say, is that like Christmas? But is Halloween like Christmas? Doesn't make sense. But is Halloween for you like an excuse to, as because you're a costume designer, go all out? Or is it kind of like working for free? It's like, like I don't do Halloween. Right. It's like, you know, when, I don't know, if you go to a chef's house and they suddenly give you baked beans and you're like, well, you would just, if, if you tried to do anything, mm. you know, people would be like, oh, I thought you were a costume designer. I thought you'd be better than that. Unless you went like made a statement and just went like the bedsheet ghost. Like yeah. really simple and classic. I could have done that. Yeah, I just, you know, I haven't dressed up for Halloween in years. You, and well, my friends have stopped asking me to help. Oh, really? That yeah. was a phase you went. Ash, <laughs> Ashling Mellon's sister's a costume designer. I think she's kind of in the middle of that. Yeah. You know, I think she hasn't maybe. No, actually, she. I was going to say she hasn't. She, she, she tells people to fuck off all the time. <laughs> so maybe she's just too nice. Yeah. Um, did you do the bin bag witch thing? 
Oh yeah, my mom. My mom once dressed me up as a fashionable witch, which I think was when she forgot Halloween. Was this? Is this your like superhero origin story? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the fashionable witch, um, and she. I basically had a bin bag. I wore a bin bag, and then she put one of her hats on me. Right. So I was a fashionable witch. That's. <laughs> I think I wore lipstick as well. I went to school. I think. I mean, it looked great. Yeah. So you know. I'm sure. Where are you familiar, Lex, with the bin bag way? I am not, I'm afraid. Okay, yeah, oh, really, think, is that just an Irish thing? I think thing? that's an Irish thing. What? My friend Valerie wrote, she was like a journalist for the Day of the Edge and she wrote about a lot, like those traditional Irish things. But in when you're a kid, I guess, and you don't have money or your parents can't be arsed <laughs> for Halloween when you're going to school and everyone's dressed up, they just stick a bin bag on you, like a black refuse sack, yeah. put out a <laughs> hole for the head and the arms and they, they slap some sort of headwear on you and like, fuck it, you're a witch. On you, <laughs> on you go. And the funniest thing is you look at a, a I think it's changed now because with Amazon and it is, it's more well, easier to get fast like, fashion. Fast people, fashion is just people, everywhere. Yeah. You can get whatever shitty Marvel costumes you want. But back in our day, mm-hmm. you would go to school and there would just be hundreds upon hundreds of garbage children running around <laughs> playing football. But maybe now it could be a statement. It could be. Yeah. yeah but garbage. you'd have to have a used garbage bag or else you'd just be adding to the waste. Yeah. Well, how would you know? Well, because smell, the smell yeah, that's <laughs> true. You'd have to be the smelly hey, child in the bag. <laughs> it's authentic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so we we said fast fashion, or you said fast fashion there. So mm. this is giving people a bit of a clue that this isn't about Halloween. <laughs> it's <laughs> actually, enough. yeah, we're going to talk about sustainable fashion. Yeah. But for you, you had a little bit of a different kind of way into it. You you are coming out from the position of a costume designer. And it's, it's an angle I haven't seen much of in my research online, except for you and your and the, and the um, sustainable fashion directory. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about kind of like how you within the costume industry kind of found sustainable fashion and like your pursuit of it? Yeah, I think, I, well, I found probably sustainable fashion first as, as a, an individual, as a, a lover of fashion. I came across it first. Um, it was really in 2013 uh, with the Rana Plaza disaster, which for anyone who doesn't know, was a um, a factory fire in Bangladesh that killed um, over a thousand people. And so after that happened, I started to think a lot more about clothes and where they were made. And, and for me, it was a big thing that as someone who um, makes clothes for a living, I just felt so shocked and, and guilty and sad that there were women in the world who were making clothes um, to satisfy like a Western need and to satisfy people who want fast fashion. Um, and they were just being treated so badly and that they died in a fire that could, was entirely preventable, but mm. wasn't prevented. Um, and so for me, I, that's what really made me start thinking about the fashion industry and about ethical fashion, sustainable fashion, socially responsible fashion, uh, whatever you want to call it. But um, then through that, I started thinking about what I wore personally and the, the brands I personally shopped in. But then I go to work where I'm responsible for sourcing thousands of meters of fabric and lots of, you know, so many clothes. And it really depends on what project you're on. But the thing I often say is, you know, any project might last from a week to a month to a year. But really, costume designers are responsible for sourcing more clothes on a, on any project than most people will source in their lifetime really? or will make in their lifetime. I mean, if you think of any kind of um, film or TV program and the amount of people that are on the screen that you're watching and the big crowd scenes or the big armies that you see, like all that are on screen for about 30 seconds, but all of those costumes have to be made or sourced um, or produced. So you've got like thousands of outfits on every single production and there's so many... TV shows, films, 
everything being made in London at the moment, in the UK, Northern Ireland as well. And those things are being produced and then they, they either may go on to another life or they may not, but ultimately they serve a very limited purpose. And so I felt if we could look at how we source the suppliers that we source from, the way we, uh, the way we use costumes, what we do with them at the end of it, all of those sort of things, then maybe we could make collectively as costume designers, we can make a difference. Mm. And so the costume directory itself is, um, I brought it here so that you can <gasps> look. Look but, at uh, I'd, in real life. I've seen this before because uh, Ashling, this aforementioned little sister, when I was talking to her about wanting to do sustainable fashion, I said, like, how do I even go about this? And she was in the middle of doing a course, an online course in sustainable fashion. And she literally, without like looking up, she just picked this up and just like, threw it at me. <laughs> and like this came flat. So, it's, it, I've oh got, God, so it's a weapon too. Yeah, it serves I'm, many purposes. It's bringing back some traumatic memories <laughs> of this flying at me right now. Oh, but it's you also can reclaim the directory now. You, you can download it as well. Like you've made yeah. this pretty open. Yeah, so it's free. Um, It's something I just put together in my spare time. So luckily, um, BAFTA came on board and they paid for it to be published. So we did a a limited run Mm. for those people who don't like online things, Um, PDFs. It is available. Yeah, you can just download it online for free and all the information is there. And you can print it out over and over again. So you have a fresh (laughs) copy every time you want to use it and just like throw it out the window when you're done. It's amazing. Exactly. It's really good. Really good. And how's it been? How's it been received? Like, is this... Are you, are you like within the sphere of um, costume industry, are you like a tr- considered a trailblazer? Is this adding, is this like a fresh talking point to other costume designers? Um, I think the thing is with costume designers, we all like most costume designers, a lot of people working in film, like, you know, we're all creative people. We're all focused. I mean, most of us are anyway, in, in terms of everyone wants to do something and everyone's aware of the the issues around sustainability, the issues around climate change. Um but yet when you work on a film or a TV show or in theatre, you tend to be your your sole focus is to make to make a movie, to make it happen. And there's never enough money and there's never enough time. And so rarely can sustainability be a priority. And I I still think, you know, design has to be a priority and you can't sort of go around, you know, telling actors that they sort of have to wear hemp you know, suit instead of like, you know, a business person working in the city. I'm like, I really think your character would just wear these like sandals made of mushrooms. Um, so, Wait, you know, that. On, on. I know. can you get those? <laughs> yeah. you, you can, I did try and make a pair of sandals out of, out of mushroom leather before, but it didn't really work oh, to be man. honest. It was a hard sell. <laughs> this sounds really, amazing. Was, oh, it, these, these are my mushroom shoes. <laughs> and to be honest, the actor was vegan. So like the fact that they didn't even sell to him, uh, was really I'm testament. already bought on board. I'm like, where can I invest in these mushroom shoes? Yeah, uh, yeah. They they really served a limited purpose. Those shoes. And um, but anyway, in a sense, the mm. whole idea is so you're focusing on design. So I do feel that people want to do more, but it's like it's it's a hassle. It's hard. It's hard to try and look at the get certifications for certain brands. It's hard to you know write to to know what the the prerequisites are to ask people about when you're trying to find more sustainable textiles. Um, And so essentially it was about five, 2015. Yes, almost five years. Um, I know, sad. Uh, So it was about five years ago um, when I was working on uh, Beauty and the Beast. It was a, it was a prior to Beauty. Anyway, it was a few jobs I've been working on and we were producing things a lot around the world. And, and I've been thinking a lot more about since Rana Plaza and together with the costume designer on that. Um, we just started looking at different ways we could source. And at the end of it, we had a huge um, 
kind of directory essentially we had lots of suppliers we'd use we'd lots of artisans we'd worked with and so I just had this idea that I would put it all down share it with other costume designers and hope that then they would come back and and share their information and their ideas and in fairness they have like it's kind of become a bit more of a community we've run a few events and got a lot of costume designers involved and and so it's sort of gone from being just more about you know, socially responsible sourcing to also looking at our own departments and, and how we can try and create an infrastructure across the industry to to implement more sustainable practices. Mm. And do you, so I see you've got a big addition to in the bottom right yeah. corner. So you're like, what did we it? We updated it. Yeah. The, <laughs> you start off at edition. The trick is to start off at edition 11 and people yeah. think, wow, it's got a rich legacy of research behind this. But body don't ever work. look for the back catalogs. Don't, yeah. it's, got, it's gone. It's yeah, gone. We yeah. got rid of it. Um, but you, it, this is going to be something you, you keep iterating on. It. it is. I mean, I put it together in my spare time. So mm. um, it's not for profit. In fact, it's for much of a loss. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes up time yeah. and money and energy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the second edition came out a year ago. And with that, we did a big event at, at BAFTA and got costume designers involved to try and debate the issues and to to say what was good, what was bad, what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it is, it is, I would say it's growing mm-hmm. slowly in a sense. It's growing as a movement yeah. um, and we try and keep updating it because also with sustainable fashion, socially responsible fashion, oh, things are changing a lot. And so the information changes a lot and I get more information. And again, I haven't studied sustainability and I haven't, you know, I'm not an expert on it. So everything I put in there is really just, my own learned information and I'm constantly learning. Mm. And so I, I do say, you know, I've gotten this information from these places, but please keep looking, keep asking for certificates, keep checking in on these companies. If you yeah. find got a very structurally sound mushroom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anyone's really worried about the mushroom shoes, uh, <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> to be honest, that company hasn't made it into the directory yet, even though they are sustainable because I can't figure out how you use mushroom leather. So if anyone out there has any suggestions, let's talk about when you say you can't figure out how to use it, like so mushroom leather ex- exists as a product. <laughs> yeah, it is. You can... So there's a lot of, so when you're, when you're trying to come up with vegan leathers and uh, vegan alternatives to using traditional leather, mm. it's quite difficult because a lot of the, the alternatives are really um, basically petrochemical based, they're like plastic. So they're mm. not very good for the environment. So a lot of companies are now working with natural Fibres, natural products like um, this pineapple leather is great. Mm. So that uses pineapple husks instead of creates a leather like fabric. Um, And then then I came across this mushroom leather, but it just looked a bit like a big mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I I was like, it it sort of is like a mushroom suede maybe, but it Mm. didn't. I love the idea of like walking around with shoes that just look like big mushrooms. Like I'm some sort of like... (laughs) gnome that got hit by like a, yeah. a large big ray and I'm just like an adult sized gnome with mushroom shoes <laughs> and you can just that's a powerful aesthetic I feel like I could really own and lean into well maybe maybe that's your thing maybe that's maybe what you should take on thing. and maybe yeah as you like get start wearing more sustainable like ethically sourced clothes it actually genuinely looks like it's you know it looks, it looks like, like yeah the fiber from the forest like there's, you could just weave like the original cotton and stuff together so that it doesn't have to go through all those processes before it comes to t-shirt mm. Oh my God, the whole you can go brand to the new fields. world. Yeah, it's yeah. opening up for me. Yeah, I'm going to go back to Ireland and this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm just going to become like a weird, like 
nature creature coming out of the cornfields dressed fully in corn. I'm like not sure if, if that's going to do much, uh, if I'm honest, for sustainable fashion. Though. No? No. Yeah. <laughs> really? You're going to take it back a decade. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Hey, prove me wrong. Yeah. I did, prove uh, me wrong. I was like, no, I don't want to be anything like him. Let's just go back to, to um, Zara or something. Yeah. <laughs> dressed the opposite. You mentioned working on, like, Beauty and the Beast was the first production where you kind of started to pull all this stuff together. But in something like This Way Up, Mm-hmm. which is the sitcom you work on with your sister Ashling, where you were the costume designer. And I know you tried to source everything like a hunt, like could be completely sustainable. This feels very much like a, a more like closed system where you can yeah. control it and you're not beholden to producers saying stick to this bottom line or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's convenient when your sister is a producer and the writer that and the lead it, yeah. actress. Is have, very, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a hard sell, put right. it that way. Do you have many other family members who are like Papa Spielberg or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can, you can like, lean on. Please. Um, no, but how does that contrast with something like a, a bigger production, like a bigger, like Little Women well, or You Beauty can Beast scale these, or, thing up, these yeah. things up. You really can. And um, what we tried to do is to see whether or not it was possible because because every project, regardless of the size, um, has its, you know, its problems um, and you're always up against a clock. Um, so with This Way Up, it meant we just set ourselves that challenge. And it was obviously easier because Ashling and I, it's not a million miles from what we, you know, going around charity shops, not a million miles from what we do. You're not dressing a literal <laughs> beast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like, so I want a costume for an eight foot beast and I'm going to the local crisis shop to see if I can find it. Um, yeah. So it was, it was, e- you know, it was easy in that sense, but in the end, you know, we weren't perfect. We weren't able to do the whole thing. Mm. Um, we wanted to do it all secondhand because effectively when people say kind of sustainable fashion, it's sustainable as a word, you know, in costume that doesn't really tally because it's not sustainable because you're doing things with a very limited purpose. So mm. it's more about being responsible, really, and responsible sourcing. And the only really, truly way of doing that is when you buy something that already exists, then you're not kind of making any impact. And um, when things are contemporary, you know, for most costume designers, it's not a new idea to go to a charity shop because you will find things that are more characterful. You'll find things that are already broken down mm. a lot. When you buy things new, you have to put it in the washing machine like 20 times to make oh, it look make like, it look like, it's like someone's worn, worn it, ah, you know, yeah. many times before. So, um, you know, charity shop shopping is great, but it's also harder and when you're up against the clock and Mm. you've got budget restrictions and you've got all of those kind of things it can be really difficult to say okay I'm gonna go up Mare Street or whatever and check out the 10 shops that are there and see if they might have what I'm looking for and you know it takes time so um but what we did actually was we worked really closely with Oxfam, mm. um, Oxfam Online, which I mentioned earlier on, yeah. is great. And, I don't know um, if I was recording when we said that, but you told us Oxfam have a like a website with returns. Yeah, Oxfam and, have a website with basically everything good that comes into their shops they put up on a on their website. So it's got thousands and thousands of secondhand clothes. And you go on, you can search for what you want, mm. or you can just browse. That's amazing. Um, did you know about this, Lexi? You do a lot of... I have no idea. Okay, well... I'm very embarrassed. <laughs> so it's called, um, yeah, Oxfam Online Shop. Anyway, if you Google Oxfam Online. Yeah, you've um, given us enough information that we can find Do you think I've it. mentioned Oxfam Online? <laughs> yeah. What was it called again? <laughs> it's Oxfam Online. Yeah. But also just other charity shops mm. are also online. Bernados mm. um, is on ASOS Marketplace. Trade is on ASOS Marketplace. Really? Yeah. Um, but also there's brilliant. So the other thing was, so it wasn't just shopping from charity shops that we did on This Way Up. It was also just generally shopping secondhand and vintage. So 
they w- there's loads of um secondhand vintage places online that mm. that do great suits that do great ties so even the characters that were not that um, Anya, the lead character, looks like she came out of a charity shop, but her style lends itself. But I think that's becoming the, the, like yeah. that, that saying that is becoming a new thing. That, you know what yeah. I mean? The meaning of it has changed. Changed like there's some gorgeous charity shops that look better than a lot of high street places. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I mean, for myself and Ashling, we both love charity shop shopping. So mm. it's not again, it's not a hard sell to us. But for other actors who come in, you know, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea. But actually you can find some really amazing pieces. And I think the pieces that I loved the most on that was, were the characters that you wouldn't immediately go, oh, they're wearing something that's either secondhand, you know, that you just don't really notice, um, like suits, you know, different people who were in suits in it. Uh, some of the male characters, like we found some brilliant pieces. Um, and again, on Oxfam online, <laughs> you can find like, they've loads of designer gear up there. Uh, just, yeah, really great stuff. So for that, um, that was a, a good way of showing, actually, at the end of it, when we came to it and tried to tally up that every character was wearing at least one piece that was secondhand. Amazing. If not head to toe secondhand. And that's, I mean, I tried to work out what the carbon impact of one outfit is. It's about 85 kilograms head to toe. But if you scale that up to like 300 costumes, that's probably about the same impact. I'm hoping I don't say a lie here now, but... So say one person is like mm. 10 tons. So if you 85 times 300 or whatever, you're, you're looking at like three or four people's impact for their entire year. Jesus. So if you then scale that up to productions, like I'm, I can't say which ones, but there's mm. a few very big um, blockbusters that are, are going at the moment and they're actually looking to source their crowd secondhand. What we say is like secondhand first. So oh. you try and go to the chair shops and you see if it exists and if it doesn't, then you, you look elsewhere. But they're... Yeah, a, a lot of them are trying to do as much and, and a few people have come to me and said, oh, we managed to do like 50%, we managed to do 60%, we managed to do 70%. Mm. And then that really collectively is a huge amount yeah. and it's it's 300 people buying clothes or it's 600 people or it's whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we've been working closely with the charity shops to try and make it easier for designers so that they can borrow and return mm. um, if they don't want to use it. Um that they can go to some of the warehouses where they store a lot of the stuff. Again, it's just about promoting a lot of the, the online brands. Mm, like um, Oxfam. Like, did I mention Oxfam? There's <laughs> <laughs> a promo code going to be in the show notes or something. Look, I swear this. I'm not taking any money from a charity, uh, <laughs> but I just really you like gotta, Oxfam. You mentioned that this is running at a loss. You've got to make it up somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, if Oxfam did want to come to me and make a small donation to the costume directory. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, and do you, and are, are the charity shops delighted to be part of this new thought process, this new kind of infrastructure change, or are they? Uh, how are they? I think I think they are. Like mm. they're they've all been really helpful and really great to get on board. And the thing is, it's sort of a circular economy because at the end of it, the whole idea is then, you know, we redonate the stuff at the end of the project. Mm. So it's like a double sell, really. You know, yeah. they kind of we buy it and we send it back at the end. So yeah, win win. That's great. That's absolutely great. And you were, you were mentioning about actors. Um, are the actors reluctant? Like so when you were saying some people like wouldn't think of secondhand sh- clothes shopping. Or do you enc- where do you encounter reluctance like within this? Are you getting stuff from producers saying, no, this is taking too much time? 
uh are the actors giving similar kind of thoughts around like no i don't want to be dressed secondhand basically what are the humps that you are trying to overcome on a daily basis i think the, the main one is the time thing yeah. and it's the hassle yeah. that people feel and it's it's just trying to change people's perceptions so it's also i mean most actors when you come to them and you're like look at this you know come to garson jacket that yeah. i found blah blah, blah. um you know, they can be quite excited about it, but, but others kind of are like, how many people wore these shoes? <laughs> <You know? laughs> are those mushrooms? <laughs> yeah. Are those mushrooms growing inside the shoes? <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even think about the shoes being able to produce more shoes. <laughs> yeah. These are asexually reproductive shoes. So they just keep giving and yeah. that is sustainability. That is, that's the definition of sustainability. Shoes yeah. that make more shoes. Yeah. What more do you want? <laughs> exactly. Um, no, producers tend to be on board if it can save them money. And they don't know about it. Right, okay, yeah. (laughs) You say to them at the end, we've saved you this amount of money, but if it's going to cost money, that's when when people tend to be slightly concerned. Mm. So looking outside the costume industry as a whole and just moving to fast fashion and Mm. just consumers in general, because this doesn't really affect consumers. Everything we Mm. talk about here is, like you say, it's it's one person or a small team of people Mm. buying, you know, more clothes than anyone (laughs) over the year. But um, at like the consumer level, when you all the stuff you've learned from writing this, mm. does it fill you with dread? <laughs> like how, how has it affected your view on like the high street or how has it affected your view on the industry, the fashion industry in general? Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's so many problems with so many industries really. And, and big oh, business, <laughs> this is the most Irish thing I've ever done. It's like, do you know what? It's not just the fashion industry. That's sad. It's like, there's loads of sad industries. <laughs> No, what I mean is that I like, saw a cow on my way here. It was miserable. <laughs> well, should just be sad. Um, no, I mean like big mis- business across mm. the board has to recognise the problems, and I, the fashion industry is amazing. I love fashion. Um, I love clothes, so I obviously wanted to continue and to exist. But I do think the way the business model has shifted, particularly in the last 10 years. I mean, I think with more online shopping, with more fast fashion, the sort of Love Island effect of everyone wanting to go to Boohoo, misguided, all of those kind of... Wait, what's the Love Island effect? Oh, sorry, you don't know. I th- <laughs> sorry, so, this isn't me just like, a wonderful life. I, need to, I need to make sure that people know that I, I don't want to be seen nodding along with Love Island. I genuinely yeah. don't know what you're talking about. I, I, what I mean about it is, so there's this program called Love Island mm. where they, they put a load of uh, people looking for love onto uh, an island. Horny or, people, you can say it. <laughs> or now a cape. And um, basically they, they wear clothes that then are available to buy um, on certain websites. And this is like a partnership thing. They, like, kind of a they're strategic with but it. also the ad breaks and everything really promote these these particular brands but it's also just that idea that like no one on the island wears the same thing twice oh. so you know even their bikinis every day they've got a new bikini and it's it's the instagram effect as well it's just people wanting to be constantly having something new to wear and mm. new to be photographed in and heaven help you be you know go to two weddings in a year and you wear the same dress twice oh my god um, I, the award season i heard um about joaquin phoenix made this pledge <laughs> that he was going to wear the same tux because yeah. he's doing the awards and everyone's like oh my god joaquin you fucking just, <laughs> just you lord and savior joaquin now give him the oscar now because he's wearing the same yeah. tux i'm fair play to him for doing that obviously he doesn't need to I know, do that but, but it's the fact that this is being do you think applauded. anyone would have noticed i mean i think yeah. he's great he's also wearing a, a stella mccartney tux oh. so it's um sustainable oh is it okay yeah but um and vegan so not wool which actually i'm interested as to what it is then 
Mush, mushroom. <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> it's all mushroom. It's all mushroom. Look, Joaquin. He's that's a mushroomy man. <laughs> there. Damn, I should have said fun guy. God damn it. I'll get it in the edit. Continue. Do you want to start again? Oh. Um, yeah, but that is the, the whole idea. But could you imagine? So Grant, he's in a tux. No mm. one's really going to expect him to suddenly turn up in a, a different coloured tux. Uh, but like if, if, you know, the actresses who are on the red carpet turned up in the same dress for each of the awards, should there be no point in having the awards because their picture wouldn't get in the paper because no one wants to see the same person in the same dress. But really it's more, ordin- you know, it's more people who, you know, that's that's one side of it. But at the same point, it's that idea that like, you know, people who are just going to a party at a weekend, you can go and buy yourself a dress for 20 quid mm. and then you throw it away. And so that's a mentality. And places like Primark, they essentially don't want you to walk into their shop twice and see the same things. So where fashion brands used to have two seasons a year, they'd have spring, summer, autumn, winter, and you'd look at their collection or you'd go into the shops and, and you'd do your summer shopping and you'd do your winter shopping grant. At the moment, it's every week you can go into places like Primark and you can see new things and you can buy new things. Like on a weekly On a weekly case. basis, oh yeah. God. So they're constantly, their stock is constantly shifting, constantly updating with the idea that people will just keep buying and keep seeing new things and the trends are changing. And so as soon as someone wears something on Love Island, you know, those the people who manufacture whatever they're wearing want as many people as possible to be able to buy that. So they have to have access to those. Those clothes have to be readily available. So it's not like you're seeing something that someone's wearing, like you know, whatever an actor is wearing on a red carpet now will probably be available to buy in about eight months because mm. it'll be a sample and mm. then it'll have to go into production based on how many people want to buy it based on demand. Whereas nowadays, if Taylor Swift wears something, people want to be able to buy it straight away. And mm. so there's that increased demand that's what fast fashion is. It's mass consumerism of cheap products um, and cheap clothing. Mm. And So yeah. if we were to look at the high street, because one of the first questions I had here was like the, um, about defining ethical and sustainable fashion, that is it easier to define it by what it's not? Because yeah. it's so, is it, is it so ubiquitous that if you were to go down, you know, the, any, any high street, you would see more kind of non-sustainable, non-ethical than you would? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, to be honest, it's like, it's such a complicated thing. And to kind of broadly say that every, you know, every high street brand is like unethical and unsustainable mm. and this, that and the other it is, is a bit limiting because I think fast fashion and sustainable fashion are both two mindsets and two kind of cultures that we're living in. And you're right. either part of the, the fast fashion culture or you're part of the sustainable culture in, in the way that society is going now. And I don't think, I think brands are and big business are massively responsible because they're of because of their business models but i think we are also responsible in a way because we're buying into it and again 10 years ago we weren't expecting to be able to you know order something on our phones while we were watching tv and have it turn up the next day amazon didn't exist yeah, you know that, that is whole kind of ridiculous culture. when you say it like that that's kind of magic it's like a very slow magic <laughs> it's a very slow magic but even the idea that like the way our our mindset has changed is that you can you can go on amazon and if you can't get whatever you want the next day like if it won't do prime or turn up in your house that evening you're like oh god this is terrible. <laughs> what is this what is this the 18th century fuck's <laughs> yeah. sake I mean, it's so regressive, um, <laughs> but it is that sort of idea that people just, our expectations have changed and, and no one's really thinking about, okay, so in order to get my cotton dress 
that I want that I'm going to get rid of next week. You know, a farmer needs to to grow the cotton, a ginner needs to like get the seed away from the crop, then you need to get a spinner or a weaver. Then it turns into fabric, then that fabric goes to a factory, then someone has to cut it out, someone else has to stitch it, then it gets put into a piece of packaging, then it gets shipped halfway across the world. And then you've got, you know, a still a 50% markup. Uh, on a high street thing and then you're still buying it for a couple of quid so really how much are all those people down along the line and Mm. it is still people it's not machines making things it is still people and there are so many people involved in the production and people don't think about that now and I think also I just um, like if I was I do know how to make clothes but I'm not that great at it uh, because I take so long like so if I was to make myself a dress I would take ages and it would cost a fortune Mm. because you know, if you were to pay me my hourly rate here for me making something, it would it would cost a lot. And yeah. I would hope that whoever would wear it would like respect it and every day be going, God, isn't Sinead great? Yeah. <laughs> She's making me this dress. Isn't this just great? Every night I go to the dress and I stroke it and I say, thank you, Sinead. Yeah, it's a great dress. But no, you know, I really like in terms of just valuing making clothes as a craft, people don't value it in the same mm. way anymore and they don't mend things and they don't look after their clothes in the same way and that's a culture and i think that's a culture that slightly needs to change i got i just when you're describing my, my brain was aneurysming a little bit when you were describing like the journey of like you know mm. a piece of cotton going through all mm. these stages and it, have you ever seen is it the nicholas cage movie lord of war god of war not god of war lord of war it's like mm. it, it's really iconic start to it where it follows the journey of a bullet from being made to like eventually shooting someone. I was just imagining like a piece of cotton being grown and harvested and going through all of these processes mm. and getting And the amount of water that goes into it. Yeah, oh. all, all this, all like a big chemical wash and then it gets like all these poor people who are like sl- mm. slaving away and like to produce a thing and it gets shipped halfway across the world. Gets here, someone puts it on, wears it to a handy and throws it out the next day. It's <laughs> exactly. like the saddest story. It really is. If you is. could just follow this one little, if we could like personify a little piece of cotton. It's a Pixar short. It's a, it's a Pixar short <laughs> and it's tragic. Oh my God, someone needs to make and it and re- get it out really there to kiss. It's really upsetting me now thinking about this little piece of cotton yeah. going through all this. I know, for what? Like gets nothing, on that little, Sinead, <laughs> nothing. gets on that little plane, thinks it's going on a journey, and no, I'm gonna it's just be, going to landfill. <laughs> no, he's like, oh, I'm going to be Paris of the happiest day of mm. someone's life, and no, mm. they get vomited on in a <laughs> shitty club, and then they get thrown away the next day. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. Sorry, I was after like shake, shaking myself up a little bit here. <laughs> I know. Um, Again, it's sad. It is sad. <laughs> Everything's sad. This podcast has basically just been like a journey of discovery of sadness for me. Aww. It started three years ago to try and educate myself on politics because I knew nothing mm. about it. And every episode has just been, and here's how this is broken. And can yeah. we fix it? Oh, you, there's some things we could do. Yeah, yeah we can but, try. Uh, yeah, but a lot of them. Whereas mm. I feel like this, there is more things. Like it's, it isn't some... Obviously, the, there's some mm. structural problems, yeah. Um, but there's all there's solutions like like your there is solutions, and, and like I think there's there's like there are reasons to be optimistic in a yeah. sense that um, I don't think we've gone so far in this direction that we can't go back. And I I do feel like the more people ask questions, the more people think about it, and you know recognize that actually just just to value what they're wearing and to kind of love their clothes again and really yeah. respect them. Um, I think that will make a make a big change. Primark are doing like a small organic sustainable cotton line. Is that like a toke? Is that like them going, oh, we're trendy. We're part <laughs> of this conversation to you guys. Or yeah. is or is it a sign that like, you know, 
Aldi buys in like the Impossible Burger or something like mm-hmm. that, and then gradually they're starting more and more things, and it's actually part of a bigger like. Where do you th- is are you cynical about stuff like that? I am quite cynical, but I'm also quite conflicted because on one hand, it's like you know you can't keep you know, Primark aren't going to suddenly turn around and be like, hey, you know this business model that's been making <laughs> us loads of money. It's like, well, maybe we should just stop doing it because it's not really nice to people. <laughs> I just yeah. I just don't think, and I kind of think to myself like I also work in the film industry where you know. It, you know, it's not perfect, let's mm. face it. Um, so I think of the person in Primark who's sort of like me, just go like, let's just try. Yeah. <laughs> come on, guys, we can do better. Yeah. Um, and then they come up with this. And, you know, it, realistically, it's not targeted at me in the end. I'm not, I, I don't really shop in Primark, but there are lots of people who go in there who are not thinking about sustainability. And if they happen to buy organic cotton and if Primark starts sourcing, more organic cotton and then slowly but surely maybe looks at its business model and starts to reduce how much they're sourcing. And yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, again, as long as it's not a trend, like the greenwashing trend and the sort of thing like, oh, hey, sustainable is the new look. But, mm. you know, people just want to buy things that look vintage, but not actually yeah. buy vintage. And so that whole thing is what I'm cynical about. And again, it's the same thing with H&M and all of those brands who say they're doing sustainable things and they're like bring back your clothes and we'll recycle them but actually we've got way too many clothes to be possibly recycled but it slightly makes people feel better about it and you know that that sort of thing I am quite cynical about but I also think I don't really believe in boycotts entirely because I'm not sure that works Mm. and yeah so if if those brands can change from the inside I mean again brands like Nike you know, if you're looking at them from the outside, not great, but then they're actually doing a huge amount. They've got like, in terms of this textiles they use, the way they produce their trainers and everything like that. So if people are going to shop from those brands and not be thinking about sustainability, then it's good that they're buying something that's more in that, that way. Mm. But I wouldn't advocate for it. I would advocate for just buying from brands that are a bit more inherently ethical mm. in their in their business model and or just buying secondhand but again again i'm conflicted mm. i'm just conflicted oh great <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah uh, so let's move away from like the doom and gloom mm. uh and the cynical stuff and talk about what people can do yeah. like what like you t- we talked about the sustainable mindset and mm. this is one of the reasons why i brought lex because lex is like one of the most sustainable people i know <gasps> and she's managed to like pull off like lex is is Usually when Lex is dressed, it looks like she's low-key casting for like a period drama. <laughs> like she's constantly waiting for like a, an agent. She'll pass by an agent who I sees bet, a I cravat I bet that sounded like a compliment in your head. <laughs> no, more of it, just an accurate observation. Do you want to show the pictures from like just a couple of days ago? I mean, I am desperately attention seeking, so it's fine. I don't see it as that much of a uh, of an insult. I need to. Yeah, but l- l- I, I thought it'd be a good... To, way to end the podcast would be to talk about like all the things you can do and like on a on a mm-hmm. on a we've already been hitting on the bigger level with the costume directory and stuff but even just like on an everyday level yeah um so can we start with maybe you said just um ethical oh there we go oh I'll, amazing I'll, I'll that is a great outfit notes. yeah and that's just one of many looks powerful powerful looks oh i think this is this is great oh i like i like what you've written as well yeah I can't remember what I wrote now, I'm so afraid. Uh, bisexual 19th century apprentice <laughs> clockmaker or angry 70s stage magician. That's your brand. That, um, 
Hey, I'll, apprentice clock maker all the way. Yeah. I think the problem is that a lot of the uh, the kind of like Victoriana stuff is so 70s and 80s mm. right now. So like you'll buy a velvet waistcoat and it's beautiful. But then the back of it's like this shiny polyester material. And you're like, do I look like I work in a casino or do I look like an authentic historical woman? From, I'm going to go authentic 100%. <laughs> so if you, do, if you do look like a bisexual clockmaker's apprentice or whatever the thing says you can't do it sustainably and again this is why i brought lex because she, she's such a good example of this yeah perfect i mean styling it out i know exactly and, and i would say the thing is though you know vintage fashion and charity shop fashion like that is that is a lifestyle choice in a way and a lot of people are really good at it and a lot of people love it i love it you love it um but there are a lot of people out there who hate it mm. you know and who don't like fat don't like shopping or don't like, you know, rooting around in bins trying to find a really nice scarf. Um, so the, the brilliant thing is that there is a lot of stuff online you can do. And the one thing I would say is just remembering like to, to actually love your own clothes and to make them last a little bit longer and not just throw things away because you're a bit bored of them. Um, actually, just reworking your clothes can be a great thing. Like there's a lot of... Uh, especially around London. I mean, there's places you can go to get things altered or made slightly differently or a dress can be made into a blouse or different things quite cheaply. Mm. So to think about your clothes in that way and then something becomes exciting again, maybe hide things in your wardrobe for a few months and then like take them out again and they feel like new. <laughs> my parents used to do that with me with my toys. <laughs> Rewrap them up at your birthday. Yeah. I do that with my cat. So I like that that's you what your parents your have No, I hide her toys from her and then she thinks they're new. Oh, I, like, so I hide my cat. I forget I have a cat. And then I find then she's my really hungry. <laughs> oh, I've got a cat. This is so new and exciting. But actually in saying that though, one, actually, this has nothing got to do with the cat, but one thing that people can do is often like, like uh, my friends, do we just share stuff in a sense, like have swap mm. shops or parties, or even if you're going to something and like that, you're going to a wedding or you're going to a party and you don't want to wear the same thing you've worn before. Why not like, you know, get in, have start a WhatsApp group with a group of friends and be like, I'm going to this. Who has something I can borrow? Mm. Um, That's so wholesome and lovely. <laughs> it is. And your then you get to see your friends. <laughs> Oh. They are, they're great. Yeah. Um, or maybe they're just really sick of me asking them to borrow their clothes. Actually, it's been a while since they've uh, replied. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you have got good friends out there, that is a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's the other thing. If people want to be kind of practical and think about, oh, on the grander scale, how can I make a difference? I am just one person. Um, writing to brands makes a huge amount of difference. So even if you shop on the high street or if you buy from places like Zara, Mango, other high street brands, of course, um, send them a letter to their customer services and fa uh, Fashion Revolution, um, which is online and a great website and a great um, Instagram to follow, they... Um, they give like, you know, letters that you can copy and paste sort of and send off to oh, people cool. and, and different ideas. But actually brands do respond. And I was quite surprised in the beginning how many brands got back to me directly and with a kind of a personal message from their customer services. And so I've said, oh, look, I've, you know, I've been shopping from your brand. I just want to know where has it come from? You know, how do you know whether or not the people in your supply chain were paid fairly? What are you doing to address sustainability issues? Things like that. And, did they, and they all respond. Yeah. And did they answer the questions? Yeah. So, right. and, and sometimes like a lot of brands are really honest. They're like, look, we know we should be doing more. Mm. You know, we have this on our website, but we're trying to do this, this and this, you know, we have a 10 year plan, but actually the thing that even if you're not satisfied with how they respond or if they don't even respond to you, 
what fashion revolution have found out is that actually the impact, the reason Primark are doing their sustainable range and the reason um, Topshop are starting to take note and places like that is because of the amount of people getting in touch. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with supermarkets and plastic problem and all of that. The the public outcry is what made those brands change and think about other ways of doing things. So it's a really easy thing for individuals to do and for them to feel like, you know, collectively we're making a difference because it only takes a few letters for brands to think, oh, you know, this, if we get outed as not being sustainable or not being ethical or this, that and the other, you know, it could be a a social media disaster. So Mm. they start thinking, yeah, like, you know, we'll try and do more. And that, that is what will really get brands changing is if they know that the people who are shopping with them might stop shopping if they don't know a little bit more about where their things are coming from. Yeah. And do you guys think that it's, it's, it's a trend or do you think this is, this will, this fascination and this conversation around sustainable fashion, do you think it'll continue or do you think it's just? Do you know, when I was at university over a decade ago, um, I loved vintage shopping and it was really a thing like that you Mm. did when you were at university. I think, you know, you loved secondhand stuff or how to shop, blah, blah. Um, And then I sort of grew out of that for a bit and then I really came back to it. And I think, you know, that as a a trend, the vintage shopping, maybe those things are trends for people, but I think it's something that's always been there. Mm. And the more people talk about it and the more um, people think about it, then that will still be a trend Mm. but at the same point the sustainability thing is something more i think at the heart of every industry and the things just industries have to face up to and hopefully soon there will be regulation and politicians will start insisting that businesses change their business model really to be more sustainable so i think that side of it will change like style will come and go but um yeah. Sounds like you've oh, got sorry. to end that on like a really sound body style come and go. Do you know but what? A part of me was like, is forever. this is, <laughs> Instead of, I, yeah. that's a classic example of me having just waffled and being like, I hope you edit this last oh, 10 no. seconds. Oh, no, you were so close to thinking, lad, you just had to say, but blank is forever. And um, that would have been, so what's that blank? come and go. But friendship. But, no mu- <laughs> <laughs> but mushrooms. <laughs> But mushrooms are forever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I you know what, maybe forever, maybe I'll leave you a them. voice note at like midnight tonight when I think of something interesting to say. <laughs> yeah. that, and you can I, just edit it I in. I have a soliloquy. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> I've come up with a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. If you could come up with a sustainable fashion haiku, I will put it all over this episode. I will give you time. Uh, have a think about it. How long have you got? <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't got one right now. That's sorry. fine. That's fine. Who should people in addition to you and the costume directory who should people be looking to who should people be following um so i would say who to follow on instagram i'd say follow my sister um ashling b Mm -hmm. partly because well mainly because she puts up everything that she wears and she tags all the brands that she wears and she is far more prolific on instagram than i am um and yeah it's just really good to kind of if you just look back through her instagram you can see lots of different brands Mm. and that she wears um I would say Fashion Revolution, Ellen MacArthur Foundation, um, some good vintage ones are like One Scoop Store, uh, Salvage Project, um, Oxfam. <laughs> I don't think we've me- I don't think we've mentioned Oxfam, and, uh, and not just the ordinary Oxfam, but the Oxfam <laughs> online shop. Wait, they have an online shop, Sinead. <laughs> Stop the presses. This I is know, amazing. I know, I know. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, Oxfam Trade, Bernardo's, um, Vestiaire Collective is great. Depop. Mm. Um, hardly Ever Worn It. Rebel. 
It's another one. Which I don't know if it's meant to be rebel, but <laughs> like a, a play on the words. <laughs> re- like to bell again, to re, like what is, what is it, is it re hyphen? No, 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 it's R-E-B-E-L-L-E. Oh, okay. So it is like rebel. Rebel. <laughs> so, so there. So, so actually, I know you're being really judgy there for a minute, but it is like. Uh, I have to put these in the show notes, so I'm just clarifying. Just clarifying, just in case anyone didn't get it. I was it is afraid rebel. of putting in the wrong thing. I put in rebel, and it's just like a weird like biker guy. No, I think it's www.rebel.com. Okay, perfect. Uh, let me think of other. Lex, do you have anyone? eBay. eBay. Oh, eBay. Oh, to go old school. The Electronic Bay. Yes, the, the old Electronic Bay. I've actually been on eBay a lot lately. I've turned into my mum. What you get? I like sit there sniping let's things. Do, let's do a haul. Let's do an audio it's haul. It's almost all waistcoats, honestly. <laughs> like waistcoats and cravats from See, eBay. Low cast, low, low, low key casting for a period of drama. <laughs> but yeah, if you're looking for anything that's really vintage, eBay has some great dealers on there and then mm. you can follow certain shops. But for productions that we've done that anything like kind of recent period like 60s 70s 80s ebay's the place to go yeah yeah and then you can like contact all the sellers on there and be like i like what you've got here but have you got more of this and they say yeah oh yeah and then you get more vintage stuff (laughs) (laughs) and also it doesn't exist yet but keep an eye out for fun guy apparel which is going to be my, my mushroom line of of asexually reproducing shoes that's um Go take the world by storm. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) Shalane, thank you. Thank Thank you. I've had some developments in my mushroom um, uh, endeavor. I've gotten, I've graduated from just shoes to to hats, uh, but now I look like uh, Toad from Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) Big mushroom for a hat. (laughs) But you know what? The ladies love it. (laughs) When you see what happens when What's Her Face McCarthy sees you now. (laughs) <laughs> when I see, run into her in Aldi again which definitely drop, happened that's definitely happened <laughs> yeah that was fantastic um, I feel really bad about the clothes that I own and wear now I know I know I said in the interview but this podcast is just a journey of self-discovery of sadness for me where you know here's all the things you're doing wrong and when we talk to Lex about veganism it's going to be more of the same but these are conversations we need to have these are lessons we need to learn however painful they are and however fresh we look we're going to look even to say, fresher very. and we're going to feel good doing it in the future. With yeah. It's interesting because like, the, the jokes aside, like fashion is always about, you know, kind of representing your personality and, and your just who you are, your identity, like with your clothes. But now it's about that and also kind of like your worldview and the kind of the version of the future you want to see is now represented in your clothes as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like how you shop, not just what you shop, but how you shop it is like... Is as it just adds another dimension to that kind of form of self-expression, which I think is very interesting. And I kind of wish I had this kind of insight during the interview when I was talking to Sinead. <laughs> well, it's going to be in the. T- I'm not wasting it on you and the listeners. You're, and you're, the listeners. Oh yeah, they're here. Hi. <laughs> yes, uh, I thought it was it was very good, and it is also anything that kind of bursts our little consumerist bubble mm. and makes us aware of this this stuff that's going on, and not just take it for granted, especially when we've been doing that for so long and fucking things up for so long. That's it. That's indeed. So if you do want to action on uh, any of the things um, Sinead was talking about, I have put together a pretty comprehensive breakdown of all of the websites and services that she mentioned, including um, her own book. That's all in the show notes. So if you want to um, get going on shopping sustainably, there's a whole action list of stuff you can do down there. Just don't print out the book like and you did. To, uh, you have to print out multiple times just to be sure. 
And then, you know, if it doesn't work, you know, if the colors are running low, just throw it out. <laughs> oh, no, uh, I breathed on it. Better get a new one. But it's yep, okay. I'm it. using my mushroom-based paper. That's it. And you can eat it right after. And it tastes awful. Uh, that's it. Uh, at what on politics on Instagram and on I'm Steve. Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry? Steve. You're Richie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still bad at that. Which one are you again? Uh, Stitchy. You're <laughs> you. And I'm Hercules, the dog. Uh, is he doing okay? Is he chewing on? Is he stopped chewing on? Yeah, no, he's um, he's sleeping now. He's he does this thing where he has like one leg on the bed and the rest of him's on the floor. <laughs> the ninety euro bed that I bought for him because it's sustainable. Okay, don't ask any more questions. <laughs> it's just a big mushroom. Well, that's why he uh, keeps on, on eating it. On his, that's it. Instagram and Twitter. Whatonpolitics.gmail.com. Uh, Whatonpolitics.com. If you want to leave us a voice message. One on politics.com forward slash beer. If you want to buy us beer, like beer, leave us. Yeah, you're like going to need some beer Maddie. money pretty soon. That we, yeah, I am. I am because uh, we haven't talked about this. I'm going on a bit of a trip. We have talked Go about on. it, have we? Yeah, we'll don't talk remember. about it again. <laughs> don't remember. Uh, but yeah, got, we're going. To, so actually, maybe we put it to the listeners because I'm going to be going for a couple of, for six weeks or so. Uh, to Southeast Asia and in the meantime we're going to take a little bit of a break a little bit of a hiatus but we don't want to leave the feeds bare we're going to be doing a bit of a rebroadcast of some of our favourite episodes sustainable podcasting sustainable reuse re- reduce reuse repodcast <laughs> um, so if you guys want if there's like any personal favourites here feel free to let us know and we might rerun those and we'll record a little little intro for them yeah. just this you know recontextualize and maybe why they're still relevant or why we, why we why we're telling that. you they're still relevant okay <laughs> why we're insisting that a fucking two episode biopic on Teddy Roosevelt is more relevant now than ever I mean yeah that's probably gonna be one of them <laughs> yes yes so if you do if you do wanna have your say in that then just just shoot us a message on one of the many platforms we're on or just you know wave us down on the street from a Nissan Micro that seems to work as well <laughs> uh, is that it that's it I'm trying to think is around else. Stay classy and sustainable. <laughs> Perfect ending. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.